Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies. Good to have a, another show with us back. As a reminder, uh, last week, Joe and his partner, Leslie Harvey from Trips with Tykes, joined us to talk about Disney in 2023. And a couple of weeks ago, we had my wife, Jasmine, on talking all about our travels and the MTM origin story. So hope you enjoyed those first few episodes of 2023. Joe, it's good to see you live here. What's up? Uh, pretty good here. Just enjoying a day off. It's uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day as we are here. It's snowing kind of semi-significantly for the first time, although um, it's not going to be enough for a snow day or anything like that. How's uh, sunny Las Vegas? It's pretty good. It's We had some cold days, but it's been nice and sunny and warm today. It's actually been raining a lot here, which is a little bit uncharacteristic of this time of year, but yeah, not bad at all. Heading out later this week on uh, for a while. Uh, we're going to head on, on an MSC cruise that we got for free through that status match in Atlantic City. We're finally going to get to do that. And then we have the MTM Diamond Cruise. I was really sad, though, because last week we had to cancel our Disneyland trip because Jasmine got really sick and we weren't able to to drive down. So now I got Disneyland tickets burning a hole in my pocket. Got to figure out when to use those at some point. So I'm not all uh, full of Disney spirit yet like I had hoped to be. By the time we're recording it, although hopefully in about a week and a half, I'll be at Disney World. So I'm hoping that's that's good. How uh, however things up there. So you're off today and are you making the most of it? Yeah, it was my uh, father in law's birthday. So we went out for dim sum and then, um, yeah, we're just chilling. I'm getting ready. I'm be at Disney World this weekend for the Travelmation Retreat and, you know, that award that I've been nominated for. We'll see if I win. I had to get nice clothes for it. Kind of kind of annoying, but, uh, you know, I'm ready to go there. I did want to follow up a little bit about, um, you know, we had just touched on briefly uh, when Leslie and I were talking last week about paying for Disney stuff with points. Um, I did actually end up happening to help out a old college buddy slash client, and he was trying to, you know, his daughters are going down for a dance competition and he was trying to go down and stay a couple days after and he didn't want to spend any cash. And he has, you know, he's not like he's not one of us. So he has a lot of ultimate rewards points burning a hole in his pocket. And so I was trying to figure out how to help him stay without paying cash. And at first we were like, he's staying at the Dolphin already for the competition. Um, and so I was like, oh, you could just stay at the Dolphin and move your ultimate rewards points over to Marriott points, Bonvoy points. And that was 170,000 points for like three nights, which is a little steep. It's it's better it's in like off steep. times. Yeah, it's a lot steep. Um, so, but you know, when you don't want to spend cash and you have all these ultimate rewards, um, it's different. So, but then I realized that uh, Disney has released some uh, discounts, quote unquote, um, you know, for. Normal, normal people looking at normal hotel prices, they don't look like discounts. But for Disney, it's discounts. And Beach Club, which is a deluxe property, was actually about $500 a night. And then I realized that with pay yourself back, it wasn't exactly $500 a night, um, you know, me and math. But with pay yourself back, it ended up being like if he buys Disney gift cards at grocery store and pays himself back at 1.25 cents per point, he's actually going to spend end up spending 115 thousand ultimate rewards points to stay at the beach club um, instead of 170 at swan and dolphin so quick tip is swan and dolphin if you're going to stay there with bonvoy points the best value is to do five nights because you get that fifth night free or whatever but with chase pay yourself back if you have a chase sapphire reserve or one that can give you 1.25 
X at grocery stores buying gift cards, um, you can come out ahead of even Bonvoy. So that was interesting to find out and something that, you know, I did it like a couple days after we recorded that episode. So uh, I thought I would just update people that you can use points sometimes. It's a good reminder that transferring ultimate rewards to Marriott are almost never a good value, right? Just looking at the the value you can get paying yourself back and staying at probably a nicer hotel, but if, if not, it's in the same location basically uh, as the as the Marriott. So it's just almost never a good idea, especially if you're doing a full redemption. Maybe if you need to top up something, but you're either going to be giving up a lot of value, or you know, it's it's just not going to be a good deal. So. Yeah, uh, I've never transferred a Marriott point uh, from Ultimate Rewards, but I would do it if I had to top it off. Yeah, for topping off, it's okay. I just want to be clear. Remember, this guy, I don't want to say how many Ultimate Rewards points he's sitting on, but it's like his life is the type of life where, you you know, corporate people, they just build up all these points. And in those cases, you know, if your family and friends are in this situation, you know, I've learned that uh, when I first started I was always like, no, you got to use your points to do this. Like, it's not worth it or whatever. But there are just people, uh, the classic one is like using your United Miles for iPads or something like that. Like, there are just people who are just sitting on huge stashes of points. And then at, at some point, it's like, just use it for something. Otherwise, they're just completely wasted. So I, I don't generally go around <laughs> recommending people transfer their ultimate rewards points to Bonvoy. No, you're right. And there's a whole group of people out there with, with big businesses and they have tons of points. I know people in my family who have, you know, they put everything on Amex Platinum cards and earn uh, millions of points at 1x, which is never the best deal, right? But they have all these points and they're just redeeming them however they can, usually by booking travel through Amex Travel or whatever. So yeah, you're right. There are people who aren't really looking for the absolute best redemption. They're just looking to redeem them. And they're also looking for simplicity, right? For somebody maybe going and buying the Disney gift cards and doing the pay yourself back, that's a step too far. And so that's why I, I, you know, and I think you agree with this. I don't judge other people's redemptions uh, because what works for you works for you. And uh, that's perfectly fine. I didn't want to make this about uh, amusement parks, so we won't. But we're going to talk about a lot of other stuff on the show. But uh, I, I can't help seeing two things from our Disney show. When I mentioned that Universal was sort of taking, you know, Disney's market share and, and doing a much better job. Both of you guys gave me the dirtiest look. You guys probably didn't realize it, but you were very taken aback and offended. And then this week I see Leslie at Universal and she's just absolutely saying how amazing it is and how lovely it is. And so that made me feel good. But also she's a Universal traitor, Sean. She's a traitor. <laughs> that's that's I I wrote to her and I was like, uh, you're gonna make us do an episode on Universal on Disney Deciphered, aren't you? But uh yeah. Uh keep with your train of thought and then I have a comment about that. But go ahead. So Universal this week announced two new parks basically or two new experiences and i think it's worth covering that they're building a new children's park in frisco texas which is just north of dallas and this is going to be like a hundred acre or so park uh, with some very high themed entertainment and experiences probably a lot of dreamworks stuff there so that's sort of kind of going right at disney with the smaller kids going into that demographic and then they announced in las vegas a permanent like Halloween Horror Nights attraction at Area 15 here, which will be a year-round kind of haunt. And so, yeah, Universal is just firing on all cylinders with everything that they're doing. Quite interesting and good competition in that space, but also good for people who like to travel and uh, some interesting uh, new entertainment experiences for families and for adults. Yeah, the Texas one seems like it's going to be the Sesame Place type equivalent 
of theme park, but universal themed. And you're right with DreamWorks and stuff like that. There's they have they have a lot of IP that they can use there. I actually think Universal is being really smart. I would say until they announce those two other theme parks, that is to me the real shot across the bow. Like they're really going. They want to shoot to be number one. I don't know if they'll ever be number one theme park wise in the United States, but like, that's what they're going for. Um, and even overseas, like from what I hear and you probably know, Sean, universal studios in Osaka is considered like an excellent, excellent park, even though of course the Tokyo Disney parks are good as well. That that's correct. Right. Universal Osaka is amazing. Yeah. It's widely considered to be the best of all the Disney parks, the best of all the universal parks, because it has such a wide range of attractions. They have unique attractions, uh, different roller coasters that you don't see anywhere uh, at any other other parks, including like a really strange one that's space themed, kind of a trippy version of Space Mountain, if you will. But they also have some of the old school stuff that people in Florida like, like the Jaws ride, and they have their own version of Harry Potter. Now they have Super Nintendo World, and they're also getting the Donkey Kong coaster, which is the full version of Super Nintendo World that we'll also be getting in Orlando at Epic Universe in 2025. So yeah, Universal Osaka is a pretty incredible resort. And, you know, Universal just opened Beijing. They announced Super Nintendo World for Singapore. Also, they're just opening right now at Universal Hollywood. They're just opening Super Nintendo World as well. So they're not just firing in the U.S. and in Florida, but it's really all over the world. And I don't think there's any debate that Universal belongs in the same argument as Disney. Um, In some ways, they've been sort of targeting older kids and things like that. But this park in Texas is a shot across Disney's bow. And while it will probably be something similar to a Sesame Place, it does seem like it's going to be much more themed than you get at like a regional park like Sesame Place, at least based on the concept art. So if they can bring those that kind of top-level tech that you see at their flagship parks to a smaller scale, I think it'll be really good. And Dallas is a huge market for locals. And I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen a park like this in Texas yet. It's hot. But uh, yeah, I, I think... Universal is definitely going for it. My general thought has always been, it's it's like, I don't know what Vegas podcasts are like, Sean, but to me, it's like the Disney podcast space. There's still like so much room for growth and there's so much like, yes, Universal market share is going to increase, but there's just like a lot of market to be shared. Um, sorry for the corny pun, but that's kind of what I've always thought. And we've talked about this last year, Sean, uh, offline. You know, I feel like Universal bringing more people into Florida, even if more people go to Universal Parks, it's still people are going to drop by Disney, even if they're going there for mainly Universal. And so I think it's one of the situations. I think the problem is there are only two companies really going at it. And because there's only two companies, they're just going to keep raising each other up and it's going to keep going up. I think if there's more competition, it might get more interesting in terms of people actually losing market share. But in the end, I think Universal is going to end up making more money than they've been making. And Disney is going to maybe not increase as much percentage-wise as they could, but they're still going to make more money too. And I think everyone is going to be happy in the end. I know we've been talking, it's, it's been two straight episodes and 10 minutes about theme parks, so we're going to move on. Quick plug, Leslie is going to give her, I, I was like, okay, Leslie, if you loved Universal so much, and I should throw in some shade that uh, they did give her a VIP tour. So, you know, she didn't experience it like the normals but um throwing shade at leslie aside i know you're listening to this leslie i love you um we are gonna have an episode about why joe should go check out universal studios in florida so that's going to be our next disney deciphered episode so you can check that out all right no more theme parks for at least two episodes sean 
Sounds good. And, you know, we wouldn't have done it this episode if not for that universal news, which I thought was worth covering. But we also have a lot of other news to cover and things to talk about, including Hilton announcing this new brand. Now, Hilton has, I think, 19 or 18 brands now, as do all of the hotel companies, right? I mean, Marriott, how many? They're in the 20s, right? Hyatt's now in the 20s. IHG has tons of brands. So this is the new thing, right? Is launching lifestyle brands. But this one's interesting. It's called Spark by Hilton, Joe. And basically, it's a conversion brand. And the idea is that they're calling it premium economy hotel. Uh, But basically, they want to take like kind of lower tier Wyndham choice hotels, best westerns, things like that, that need a renovation, get them renovated and then get them into the Hilton brand. And, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a downscale true by Hilton, very sort of sparse, but modern. And they have a bagel bar. So you get a little bit of breakfast, but it's not like a full breakfast, like at some of the more upscale places. Is this an interesting move by Hilton? I mean, going downscale, trying to sell it as premium economy. Is this a place you would stay? I mean, we'd stay wherever like makes sense. I think, you know, I didn't we talk about this in another episode that people have gotten so used to like the gamification of things that I think that these brands are like trying to get people into their ecosystem, right? So I think for Hilton, this is like a safe bet. I I don't, I am not a marketing person. I'll never claim to understand why one hotel chain, and they're all guilty of this, needs 20 different brands. But that being said, like, I think that this is a smart move on their part, because if you think about like where we were staying, I mean, you and Jasmine just shared uh, your amazing story about when you guys were, you know, traveling around the world with Sean Reese for 18 months. You were not on a huge budget at the time. And like when we were just straight out of college, right? When, when we when we are staying at vacations or going for weddings or whatever, like we don't have tons of budget. So if you have this kind of premium economy, it seems a little nicer, but it's still pretty cheap. And then, you know, I stay at Spark. And then when I'm at Spark, I sign up for a Hilton Honors account. And then like five years later, you know, I've been, maybe I was staying at Sparks for two, three, four years. I built up a small number of Hilton points. And then all of a sudden I have a little bit more disposable income and it's like, well, I'm already in this Hilton. Like how many people do we know who are like, I'm already in this whatever loyalty ecosystem already. So let me just stick with that. So I, I think it's a good move on their part to get people, you know, at the, um, when they're at the lower end of their spending to hopefully convert some of those to when they get to their higher end. I agree. I think that one of the things that you run into with budget accommodations is just how wildly different things can be the different quality. You don't really know what you're going to get when you arrive. And, you know, IHG launched a similar brand called Avid, which is sort of this modern minimalist brand, kind of an economy brand, but pretty nice. The rooms are sparse, but, you know, you kind of know what you're getting. They're clean, they're comfortable, they're somewhat modern. And I feel like this is just a a version of that. And you're absolutely right. If you know that you can kind of get something that is going to be standard and you know it's going to be clean and it's going to be comfortable, then that's really an upgrade for people in this space over, you know, some of the really bad hotels that you can get. And, you know, every brand has good hotels and bad hotels. A couple of years ago, I stayed at a choice hotel, uh, like a Clarion or something. Well, I stayed at the Clarion in, in Europe this year, but it stayed at a choice hotel, you know, that was really nice. It was, as, could have been a Hyatt place or something like that. Um, but obviously there's bad ones. So I think this is good. And this is just sort of, this is sort of similar to Universal, right? Hilton is trying to expand their base, expand people in their ecosystem, and then use that name, which 
has generally come with quality attached to it to bring them into other spaces. I guess the question is, can they maintain that quality? Does this hurt the brand by having a, a property like this on the low end? I would say no, just because every major hotel chain now has properties from somewhat on the low end all the way up. So it doesn't seem like it's hurt them. Yeah, totally agree. But what has hurt is uh, this interesting offer that came this week, Joe, with Hyatt. So they, you know, a, a few years ago, IHG started these re really gamified promotions where they would send you a, a list of things that you had to do and you could earn so many points for this and so many points for that. And if you did all of them, you would get a big chunk of points at the end. And for most people, the offers weren't that great. But if you hadn't stayed a while or if they were really trying to target you, you could get a lot of points with those. And we've seen the gamification of reward systems kind of sp spread since then. But this week, Hyatt tried to kind of like come up with this massive targeted promo, something that we've not seen before. And then it just turned into a disaster because they weren't able to launch it on time. And then it got leaked out that it was coming. And then they have what, like 40 different offers that they're sending to people. And then some people got the offers, some people didn't. And it ended up there was links to every offer. So you could click through 8,000 links to try to see if you were targeted. I didn't think I was targeted at first, but then I did end up getting a deal only because I clicked through 40 different links to see. I never got an email, never got anything from my concierge. I was targeted for 2,000 points extra per night up to 10 nights, which is actually a really good promo. There's all kinds of different ones. We'll put a link in the show notes. But Joe, uh, people were mad. A lot of people were mad that they didn't get the good offers. They didn't feel rewarded. Other people were mad because it was just like this big kind of spectacle. What'd you end up getting? It was, bit, it was a bit of a cluster. Okay. First of all, I hate you. That was a great, that's a great offer that you got. So I'm jealous. Sean, this, this was like so frustrating. Like the news leaked out and like credit to, I think DDG was like all over this. Was DDG the one who figured out how to like search the source code of the page or was that someone else? And he just reported it. Yeah, that was somebody else on uh, on Flyer Talk. So I first saw it. Um, I can't remember if it was on DDG site or on DDG writing for Miles to Memories. I mean, he put it on both, I think. But it was like you have to go into the source code, and then you can see in the source code on your page, like there are different offers you're targeted for, and it's like target. The word target was in the thing you're looking for, and it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Right? I saw mine target seven, but I couldn't figure out what it was for, and I was like not trying to click through. I appreciate you, Danny, for putting out like the 30 different links that you can click to see if you're targeted for them. But I clicked like one or two and I was like, I am done with this. Like, I, I don't care. And I, like you, no email. People were like, oh, just log into your Hyatt account and it'll show up. Wasn't there. Of course, Sean, while you were talking right now, I just logged in and finally my targeted offer was there and it's not that good. It's 3K bonus points for every five nights I stay through March. So thanks for nothing high end. But this was just a terrible rollout. They should not, because um, when the rumors started, the rumors sounded pretty good. But only a couple people got what was targeted for the rumors. Like it was like Double Nights or something like, I think Double Nights was the one that really got people excited. So I think Hyatt needs to work on their IT and the rollout. I think that if they had rolled it out smoothly, they probably, you know, people would be like, if if like people like me would be like, oh, I didn't get that good of an offer, but whatever. There's always some FOMO when you don't get the best offer, but you kind of understand that that's how things are. But because we were all like searching for our offers and stuff like that, and, you know, when you're making an effort to get your deal or whatever, it's always more disappointing when your deal sucks. So um, I don't know. Hi, fix your IT. That there's just not a well done promotion, I think.
Yeah, it really got away from them, right? The messaging got away from them. And all those days that it took them to finally release it, it just let people's minds go crazy and everybody just sort of going nuts. To your point, people analyzing source code on the site and it got, it sort of took on a life of its own. And I feel like there was no way for Hyatt to come out of it unscathed once people, you know, got so hyped about it. And unless they were delivering double nights to everybody, I feel like there was always going to be people disappointed. I yeah, just you know, do that, I, Hyatt. Just do that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I don't really blame them, you know, in some ways, but it's clear their tech wasn't ready. And, you know, the fact that you're just getting your offer showing on your account right now, where this was, you know, rolled out over a week ago, kind of shows that there was clearly some behind the scenes issues that they had because the offer was supposed to start on the 4th and I don't think it came out till the 9th. So I'm guessing that they had to pull it back then. The one thing I did write about this week is there was a lot of people upset, like really upset with Hyatt for not targeting them for the best versions of this promo, which I really don't understand, right? I don't understand. Obviously, companies have the right to target people. We we often take advantage of targeted offers that are really good for us. And when you don't get targeted, you know, you're still getting access to the program that you like. You know, you're still getting something. It just seems like there was a lot of entitlement in the community and people upset with Hyatt because they didn't get the best version of the offer. That part of it, I don't get. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, if if I think it's because we got worked up into a frenzy with the potential for what we could get. That doesn't excuse it, but I think that's why people were more disappointed than normal because so many times uh, various loyalty programs have rolled out targeted offers and it's like sometimes you're not targeted at all. Sometimes you're targeted for a worse offer and you always like grumble, grumble a little bit about that, but not not to the point where like there was a lot of complaints uh, online more so than normal. And I think it's just kind of a reminder we're trying to game them. They're trying to game us. You know, you kind of when they screw up like this IT wise and make it difficult, then complain about the IT. But in the end, you know, they're trying to game you. And so just tip your cap if you lose. And, you know, that's what's going to happen. And of course, you're going to get some wins off them sometimes, too. Yeah. And they want to, you know, attract new people. So if you're somebody that falls within their, you know, algorithm or whatever they're targeting, of course, they're going to give better offers for that. And I think we're going to, we've seen that throughout this industry, it's going to continue to get better with technology getting better. And we'll start to see even more highly targeted things. Sometimes they go your way, like on that IHG promo years ago, the first offer I got was amazing. Like, I don't know, I won, I I got like 80,000 points for a one night stay or something ridiculous like that. And then I never got another offer that was worth doing. Uh, Same thing with my wife on a different cycle. She got a really good offer and we did a mattress run and she earned a lot of points, but most of the time it wasn't anything good because they had seen that we went and then they didn't want to continue to target us. So yeah, some maybe some humility with that, but I'm still not hating on Hyatt. So uh, yeah, good for them. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, were, you, were you targeted? Did they piss you off by all of the chaos? One area I did want to talk Wait, about. Time this out, is... Sean. When you said Jasmine, I was like, I wonder what Jess got offered. Well, Sean, <laughs> I'll give you one guess, but I think you can guess it. Earn double nights towards tier status every night. Uh, I guess the total's, only, the total's only up to ten bonus nights. So I'm, I'm if if I go for Globus again this year, it's going to be in my own account. So this isn't going to help. But um, you know, it, it is funny. You you mentioned that's that's a good point though, because like imagine if if Jess had been offered the um, promo that you had, you know, or one of those extra points promos. Check your player twos 
accounts because maybe that works better for you um, and you can earn a couple extra points that way. It's not going to work out for us, but it is funny. She's the one who got the double nights, of course, because she's not stayed in a Hyatt under her name for two years or whatever. So somebody got that promo. See, good to, good to see that somebody actually got targeted for that. So good stuff, uh, even though you're not going to probably use it. And uh, yeah, good times indeed. All right, Joe, did you see that Chase added pay yourself back to the Aeroplan card? This was announced a while back, but it finally went into practice. And there's some interesting things with this that when you do travel purchases with the Aeroplan card, you can then offset those with pay yourself back at 1.25 cents each. Now that's, you know, interesting enough, you know, Aeroplan is a Canadian loyalty program. Some people might have Aeroplan points or miles, some might not. But it seems like based on anecdotal evidence, this, this is not supposed to be the way it works. But if you transfer in miles to, to Aeroplan from another program like American Express, apparently you can cash those out as well right now. And while there will be a 50,000 point limit to this in future years, this year there's no limit. So you can cash out unlimited amounts of Aeroplan miles to offset travel purchases. So this could be a way to like filter points from another program into Aeroplan and cash them out. This is not the way that they say it's supposed to work, but I have heard that it is working that way. Very interesting to see this come to a co-branded credit card. Wait, so let me get this straight. Forget the Amex part right now. Let's say that I have the Chase Aeroplan card and I've earned, I don't know, 50,000. It's Aeroplan miles you're redeeming for these purchases? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so you're redeeming Aeroplan miles for a statement credit on your Chase Aeroplan card statement, and you can offset travel category purchases. So it works kind of like pay yourself back with ultimate rewards, except when you redeem, you're going to be redeeming Aeroplan. So if I have 10,000 Aeroplan miles, I can redeem that for $125 worth of travel expenses. But then what you're saying is on top of that, right now, I can transfer in 100,000 Amex membership rewards points to Aeroplan and redeem that for $1,250 worth of travel stuff. That, that's what's happening right now? I've heard reportedly. that that's what's happening. Yeah, reportedly. I've also heard officially them saying that transfers like that are not supposed to be eligible for this, those points, but it doesn't seem like they have found a way to differentiate. So I guess officially it's not supposed to work. For now, it seems to be working. So take it with a grain of salt. But this could be a good way, especially without the limit right now, to kind of really, you know, use other currencies to uh, juice up your balance and then offset them. So it's interesting, but also, you know, having it on a co-branded card, as confusing as it is to understand at first, because it doesn't, it seems sort of weird that you're redeeming Aeroplane, Aeroplan miles for a statement credit on Chase. Do you think that we might see this with other co-branded cards? Yeah, I don't know. It's just so, I guess it's so bizarre, right? Because we're so used to using transferable currencies for cash, but not... Um, you know, currencies that are locked into a program. But that actually, oh, yeah, see, uh, back when I thought that Amex was going to shut me down, I transferred like a ton to Aeroplan. And, you know, I bet you I'm not the only person in that situation. If you're that person and you do not know if you're going to have use for the Aeroplan miles via Aeroplan, the program, you know, I think this does seem like a tempting way to, you know, get rid of some of them. So they'll probably fix it eventually. But it depends. You know, I, I do think that it's it's like niche value. Like not everyone is going to come out ahead doing things this way. But in certain situations, um, that will work. And so all, as always, you know, take a look at the math or um, what 
things look like for you and whether that might work for you in your situation. One of the biggest pitfalls in this hobby is getting stuck with miles that you can't use or getting them orphaned. And, you know, kind of the idea of having airline miles that you can convert to cash is a good one. And, you know, just to put it out there, the places that you can transfer to Aeroplan are from Chase, from American Express, from Capital One, and from Built. So that does give you options there. Like I said, that's not necessarily the official way that they want this to work. So I'm sure Chase is lobbying heavily behind the scenes to make sure that American Express transfers aren't, you know, able to be cashed out. But who knows if they'll be able to to pull it off. But I like it because, you know, in a day and age where we think we've seen every credit card benefit that we can, they're still coming up with new stuff. This particular card has a lot of interesting features that they've launched with it, you know, going back to when they launched it last year. So uh, good to see that as well. Speaking of cards, Joe, uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, what what are you up to in the beginning of 2023? I hit some stuff pretty hard at the end of 2022, took advantage of some targeted business platinum offers, and then I got that Spark Travel Elite card with 50K in spend. So I'm kind of like looking at that mountain, trying to kind of, you know, figure out how I'm going to hit all of that spend. So that's been my focus. I uh, picked up a few buyers club things like points maker. I did a quick deal with them. So I, I haven't been doing too much this year. I did max out a business platinum card that the annual fee had just hit on right before, right at the beginning of the year so that I, you know, got the Dell credit, got the travel credit and then canceled it because they didn't give me a retention offer. What have you been up to? So the first thing I did was to take care of all of my airline credits on, I have three platinums right now probably canceling one um, pretty shortly so i took care of that and then i started to get to work on my JetBlue mastercard i think partially i just did it out of habit since i've been spending the fifty thousand for mosaic um i guess i'm gonna well sunk cost fallacy but i've already started so i guess i'm gonna go for at least the fifty thousand. but um, we'll see if i go all the way to the hundred thousand to get even more space seats at time of purchase. Those are actually very useful for my family to like confirm even more space seats at time of purchase. And at check-in, it's often too late when we're traveling. Um, but that's a lot of extra spend um, just for that. You know, it might, it's probably better to just buy them up front. So that's what I've been working on. And then at the very end of the year, I got a new Chase Inc. Unlimited business. They only gave me, they only gave me a $5,000 credit line and I have to spend $6,000. So it's going to take two months to do it because I don't want to cycle the line or anything like that. But uh, I'm working on that one because I did, um, we were, you know, flirting with the idea of going to Australia, New Zealand this summer uh, for the Women's World Cup. And so I did blow a ton of ultimate rewards points on a return flight. And so, you know, I figure it's time to start replenishing them. You know, the good thing about using the points is it makes you uh, hungry to replenish them. So that's why I got that income limited. So that's what I've been up to so far. Got to ask Jess to use my sax credit before I cancel that card. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah, Benji was in town last week. And uh, Benji, who writes for the site and is our Slack moderator in the Diamond Group. And he wanted to, I met him down on the strip. So he wanted to go to Saks. So we both walked into Saks to get our, our gift cards. And I had four, I have four platinum cards right now personal platinum cards and got my $200 gift card, $50 at a time. And then Benji threw down his six cards just to make me look bad, his six platinum cards. And it's really nice that they, they do that. They knew exactly how to split it. They're used to people like us. So they knew exactly what was going on. 
And that was uh, a lot of fun, I suppose. I've also been thinking, you know, I saw people mention in one of the groups, you know, whether they're going to start spending on their Hyatt cards. You spend that 15K in a year, you get the free night cert. For me, I think the Surpass card is where I start trying to hit that spend, which is that uncapped Hilton certificate. So that's something that's on my focus because I do have three nights at the Waldorf Cabo. I haven't figured out which ones, but that's their... That's what they offered us as a make good for the incident that happened. And I do want to have another cert to maybe kind of make it four nights there. So I'm kind of focusing on that as well. But yeah, I have to I have to really start hitting this 50K on that Spark Travel Elite card. So that's going to be that's going to be my focus. And I talk a lot about, you know, the reselling and how a lot of my spending comes from that. But we've sort of hit a cap with our inventory and where we're comfortable being at running that business. So I'm not going to have a lot of spend from that over the next six months or so as uh, I'm kind of limiting the amount of new inventory I take on. So it's going to be interesting to kind of figure out some other ways to generate spend on that card and, and some of the other ones, some of the other goals I have for this year. But I'll, I'll do it. I've never missed one, so I'll figure it out. Do you ever do that where you kind of sign up and you don't have the, the best plan for how you're going to get there, but you just kind of figure it out a way to do it? Yeah, that sounds like my entire life for everything. So, uh, yeah, I'm always just kind of winging it, which actually leads me to a question I was wondering for you. When you're working on, especially at the beginning of the year, it's like we're working on multiple things at once. Like how well do you organize? I'll, I'll just use my example. Like I said, I was doing the JetBlue card and also the Ink Unlimited right now. So right now it's like if I'm eating at a restaurant because it's 2x, I'll use the JetBlue for that. But then other than that, I'm just using the Ink Unlimited um, for now. And I have some big purchases coming up that will help finish off that Ink Unlimited spend. But, you know, when you have the surpass on one hand and other things that you're doing on the other hand, like how do you decide, you know, are you pretty good about which card you take out of your wallet or you're just kind of winging it like I always do? I'm pretty much winging it. I'm trying to, like, focus on the card that I'm doing. I do also have some weird things in that, my business cards have to be, you know, I have business cards for the actual businesses like Miles to Memories, like my reselling business. So I have to stick to those. So when I get a new card, I have to categorize it to figure out, is it for this business or that business or personal? And then that sort of limits where I'm, you know, what I'm able to do and and stuff like that. I don't worry too much about if I'm working towards a bonus, if I miss out on a bonus category on another card, you know, I just like to be focused on kind of finishing that out. So right now I have the two business platinums from last year almost finished. Um, we're able to get some good spend on a cruise ship. So that helped out a lot. So I'm focusing on finishing those. And then it's just really been the Spark Travel Elite will be my big focus. That's pretty much the card I'm going to use everywhere that I can for charges that are related to that card. So, you know, I, I figure the worst case scenario, you know, on that card, I could do 10K and get the first half of the bonus, but I wouldn't be able to sleep. You know, I would be mad at myself. So I have to to figure it out. But thankfully with, you know, buyers groups with different gift card deals that'll come, I, I should be able to do it. I'll pay taxes with it as well. That's a nice way to kind of juice up some of the spend. And, you know, there's all kinds of different opportunities. It's just a matter of how much you want to dive into them and how motivated you are. So I feel like this will motivate me a little bit more. And, you know, I still haven't cashed in any Amex membership rewards yet with my Schwab card that I picked up last year mainly because the first time I tried to do it, uh, I only had the temporary card number that they had given me. I hadn't waited for the physical card and I locked up the ability because it wasn't the right security code or whatever they were looking for. 
So I locked up the ability to, to transfer those points and to cash them into Schwab. And I haven't called to kind of unlock that. But I do have, before I leave this week, I will cash in a million points. And that's going to feel good to your point of motivating me to, to keep earning more. And there, I just, these points, I don't have a use for them uh, coming up realistically, even in probably the next two years with my balances. So it's better to kind of turn that into cash and that cash I'll use for travel. So I'll use it for our travel expenses this year. And I'm expecting that with those sorts of things, I can offset pretty much all of my costs for all of my travel this year between booking hotels and flights with miles and points, and then using the stuff I can't use miles and points for through this sort of slush fund of cashing out points. So it's good to be on that side. You know, it took me years to kind of be comfortable cashing in points in that way. I have done pay yourself back with Sapphire Reserve, which isn't quite as good now that it's at 1.25. It used to be at one and a half, but it does feel good. And sometimes it's nice to have that money either in your pocket for travel or in the bank to invest or whatever. So that's going to be a, a focus for me this year. Earn more points, cash them out, right size my balances to my travel so that I'm not sitting there with six and seven figure balances that I don't have any plan for and that I'm probably not going to use for a while because that's just a, a huge waste, I think. We've all learned the hard way dealing with Amex and not waiting for the physical card. You know, you couldn't wait just one more day, Sean, to uh, try to cash those in. huh? So we've all learned that the hard way, though. Well, good. I, I didn't know about it. And I'm sure it's a simple phone call. I just haven't done it. But that will be done this week because I got to do it before I go. Yeah, I, I didn't learn it for that particular reason, but I've always found that like if I try to do something too early with the virtual card, it never works out. So the only thing I ever do with the virtual cards now is just spend, and that's it. So little tip there. It was nice before our cruise, right before Christmas, uh, the Carnival cruise, that I was able to get the virtual card because I just applied for it basically the night before the cruise. So I was able to get the virtual card, and it did work for all of our charges on board. So that was a nice way to kind of get the spend right away. But yeah, I guess if you're doing anything on the Amex site where you need that code or anything, it's tied to your physical card, not to the temporary one that they give you. And the other thing I have, and I wonder, I've never really talked about this and I need to actually call and get it fixed. And I've been kind of avoiding it with American Express is that my login is completely broken on American Express. When I log in, it doesn't show the card art. It doesn't show the card type. Uh, there's things like booking uh, fine hotels and resorts through their website. I can't do that either. It just gives me error messages. So there's clearly something wrong with my profile and I have to try to call their technical team to try to get it fixed. Uh, even at the end of the year, uh, I had to, we just booked the fine hotels and resorts to use our platinum credits on, we just called and did it. Um, so I have to really, that's another thing I've been putting off because I don't really know who to talk to at American Express and I'm in my head about, it's going to take me hours and hours. How do you even explain that? Like my profile's broken. Probably it's an easy fix and I've probably been building it up more. But I'd love to hear from people if that's ever happened to them where, you know, where it just, it sort of breaks. And you'll know, because like when you go to that menu where it shows all the card art, it just says personal credit card and then it, it has the number. So it doesn't show you the card type or anything like that. And then, like I said, you try to go to the benefits screen, anything, it just airs out. So it's really frustrating and I got to get that uh, fixed as well. Maybe get all of my American Express stuff done this week before I go. Keep it all, uh, keep it all good. So next week on the show, Joe, we're going to have John Ryan, our uh, resident in-house teenage miles and points phenom. He's really kind of taken to this hobby. He knows a lot of stuff about it. He knows a lot about redemptions, about how calling, just about everything. He's really 
so bright and I was excited to interview him and he'll be on next week talking about his best tips, his journey in the space, what it's like to be a teenager doing this and all of that fun stuff. So I'm excited to, to share that with everybody next week. And Joe and I will be back kind of every couple of weeks doing a show like this. And we're going to mix it in with those interviews and talking to some of the cooler people in this hobby, trying to spread some of that info. Yeah. I'm looking forward to editing that episode. I haven't gotten to it yet, but uh, every time I talk to him, I'm always impressed. So I'm pretty sure that it's going to be an awesome episode. It absolutely uh, has been fun talking to everybody. Like I said, I had a, such a good time with Jasmine and I love the feedback from that show. I really appreciated hearing from all of you and I'm excited to have her back in the future to talk more about our travel so we can get more of a 360 perspective instead of just my perspective. Cause if anything has told me, if 20 plus years of being married to her has told me anything, it's that she sees things completely different than I do sometimes. And that's valuable, I think to hear. So we'll, we'll hopefully have her back. Everyone, I'm sorry, Sean, but I'm going to start my own Patreon. And if enough of you pay, I will release the unedited version of that podcast where I thought it was very nice, Sean, watching you interact with your wife of 20 years, but probably wasn't perfect for public consumption. But uh, yeah, that was a really great interview as well. I mean, I really enjoyed hearing Jasmine's perspective. And it's it's funny how our partners, you go through the same things and some of them you have the exact same view on and other ones it's like just totally different. So it was great to hear her perspective and looking forward to hearing her again. And what Joe is referring to is me being neurotic during the episode, like worrying about everything was going well and getting herself down into a conversation. And there was times where I broke the flow of the conversation because I got a little, you know, neurotic kind of, you know, so Sean, there was some I've funny, heard, mo- there was one funny moment that I really screwed up that thankfully I've, Joe I've recorded out. with my wife. I've recorded with my wife before Sean and, um, you know, there's only a select few of us who podcast and have to record with our spouses every once in a while. And anyone uh, in that situation would totally understand. So, you know. Yeah, I did apologize. It's like a reality show. It's so a little reality yeah. show. It's a little reality yeah. show. Well, the cool thing about that episode is it was a real conversation. There wasn't anything pre-rehearsed, pre-planned. I wanted it to be, you know, just kind of like the two of us having a conversation and sharing our, our lives with everybody. And also happy to have that as sort of an origin story for the site and the podcast and everything and kind of explain a little bit better where I'm coming from and my sort of wide range of beliefs and histories and, and everything else. So it was so exciting to, to do that with her. And she's going to be around a little bit more to share our travels as we continue to try to figure out this semi-nomadic life Busy times with work, Joe, busy times with MTM, with YouTube, with everything. So we'll see how I handle all this, but I'm excited to give it a try. Going to be traveling a little slower this year, I think, uh, just because of all the work stuff. If you do like the show, as a reminder, don't forget to leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. If you're applying for a credit card, we do have links that'll help support the show. You can find everything at mtmpodcast.com. That's links, links to subscribe, everything else right there. And Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? Uh, you can find me at as Joe flies. If you're um, looking for help booking a cash vacation, especially to Disney, you can email me Joseph Chung at travelmation.net with an M and one more plug um, busting Sean's balls aside. If you skipped the Sean and Jasmine episode, um, just because you, I don't know. I don't know why you would skip it, but uh, don't skip it. Go back and listen to that. I think it was really, it was really fascinating to for me to just see a peek behind the curtain about everything that Sean and Jasmine and Sean Reese and Elizabeth have been through uh, over the last 15 
years or whatever, however long it's been. It's been, uh, you know, well, no, 20 years with Sean Reese and stuff like that. So uh, last couple decades. So it's great to see where the site started from and where had where it's come from. And I think everyone will find that very interesting and very compelling. So don't skip it because you think, um, I don't know, there was no travel hacking deals or whatever in there. It was a great episode. Episodes, plural. Sean, where can we find you? <laughs> um, thanks, Joe, for convincing me to split that up. We split it up into two episodes of Bonus Show 2 because it just went so long. You can find me all over social media at Miles to Memories. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere like that. We do also have our Facebook group, now over 15,000 members at facebook.com slash group slash Miles to Memories. We still got the YouTube Vegas stuff going crazy strong over there. So uh, really appreciate everybody who watches, listens, and reads the site and everything we do at milestomemories.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,